Okay, our opening scriptures are uh, Psalm 146, verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then uh, the scriptures that we read a couple of uh, weeks ago. And when Jehoshaphat consult, had consulted with the people, he appointed to, to those who should sing unto the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And then Acts chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. And the jailer put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying uh, and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Fathers, we look at the uh, second part of this message uh, reasons why we should uh, give thanksgiving to you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts and uh, help us, Lord God, to uh, follow you with our whole hearts. And uh, Lord, I pray that your blessing would rest upon this message. And I thank you for this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've been doing this series on the weapons of God, which is part of our larger series of winning the spiritual battle, specifically these days, the weapons of God. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And we saw that these weapons included the word of God, uh, prayer in the spirit, fasting, the name of Jesus, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And finally, the high praises of God. So this is the final weapon that we've been covering here. We've talked about the last one in recent weeks looked at the examples of uh, Jehoshaphat defeating his enemies through the uh, high praises of God. We saw that praise birthed the early church and it was a normal part of daily church life. That means that it should be a normal part of your life too. And it was used by the disciples to defeat the persecution that they endured. It was used by Paul and Silas to do that very last thing there, defeating persecution. As he was, uh, uh, Paul and Silas were uh, <clears throat> beaten and then jailed for uh, preaching the word and casting out the spirit of divination out of the slave girl. And they could have been all sorry for themselves and just moped there in the prison, but instead they were praising God and the people. The prisoners were listening to them, and I know that probably the jailer was listening too and wondering how they could uh, sing praises to their God when he had allowed them to be thrown into prison and mistreated so much. And we know the second part of the story, that God sent an earthquake, and it uh, 
opened up the prison doors and also the uh, stocks that uh, were fastening Paul and Silas. And then through that, through that witness, Paul and Silas were able to lead the Philippian jailer to the Lord. Now, last time I mentioned that in general there's only two kinds of praise, at least as I see it. Maybe, you know, I will think of other ways, but to, to me there's only two real kinds of praise. And the first is thanksgiving. That's where we praise God for what He has done. And what He is doing in our lives and what He will do in the future. In the future, He's going, just as He has worked in our lives in the past, He's going to work in our lives in the future too. As Christians, we're called to express gratitude for the blessings that God has bestowed and is bestowing at the present time and will bestow in the future. And we're to do that in what? In all circumstances. Amen? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will in Christ Jesus concerning you. And the second kind of praise which we'll cover a lot more uh, later, is we worship. Worship is kind of a contraction of the word worth-ship. That is God. We worship God for who and what He is. And He is worthy of our praise. We praise Him because He is worthy of our praise. For his wonderful attributes, and his attributes are, include, but uh, you know, I, I just jotted down a number of them for you up there. There's other ones too that I'll probably think of uh, later on. We praise him, thank him for his love, for his eternity of being, and that he has created us for eternity too. He created us so that we would spend eternity with Him. There's also His holiness. God is holy. He is pure. And He wants us to be holy also. He says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Praise and thank Him for His justice. He is a just God. We sin against Him. Somebody had to pay for that sin. And it's either us or it's His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He provided a just sacrifice for our sin so that we could be reconciled to Him. He didn't skirt His justice. He paid it Himself. His truthfulness. God is always truthful. The Bible says that God cannot lie. Where do where do lies come from? How many of you know who where the lies come from? Satan. From Satan. That's right. Jesus said that he, he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning, and so he only uh, he is the founder of all lies. So that means if you tell a lie, you know what you're doing. You're temporarily submitting your tongue one of the most important members of your body, to Satan. It means that we're to be truthful. If we are his followers, we're to be truthful too. 
And then there's the omni, what I call the omni attributes of God. And don't shy away from omni. Omni just means all. So there's his omnipresence. What does omnipresence mean? means he is all present. He is everywhere present. That's the source of comfort to us. It means that God is here right now. Amen? Even though we're fewer in number, Jesus said that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in their midst. It also means that no matter where you go, God is there too. So when you feel all alone, just recognize that God is right there. But that's also a two-edged sword too. If He's everywhere present, He knows when you sin. And that would be a, a, a deterrent from performing sin. The fact that God sees whatever you do. There's His omnipresent, uh, omni, omnipotence. All-powerful. Potence means powerful. All-powerful. God is all-powerful. God can do everything. Sometimes we want Him to move in our midst and it seems like He's not doing anything. But at any moment, He can show up on the scene and then He will take care of whatever's uh, troubling you. And finally, His omniscience. Omniscience means he is all-knowing. He knows all things. He knows what's going on in your life. And as I said, I'm going to look uh, at these more in a future message. Now, why we should be thankful. It's always beneficial for us to train our hearts to give thanks. As being thankful helps us to give credit to those who deserve it. We not only need to be thankful to God, but we need to be thankful to other people. When other people give us things, when other people do things for us, we need to be thankful. We need to say thank you to them. But we especially need to be thankful to God for all of the things that He does for us. At the same time, it keeps us from being resentful or arrogant or discouraged. If we have a thankful heart, we don't feel resentful towards others. Especially we don't feel resentful towards God because not everything is going to go according to plan in our life. How many of you know what I mean? Anybody got everything goes just, you know, peachy for them, everything happens just the way you want it. Now, it doesn't always happen that way, does it? But instead of being resentful of your circumstances, or worse yet, being resentful towards God, you need to be thanking God for all that He has done for you, all of His blessings. He may not answer your prayers the way that you want Him to all the time, but He still has your uh, perfect good in mind. It keeps us from being arrogant, puffed up with pride. You know, we think we can handle everything on our own. If you're thankful, you have recognize that there are things that are beyond your control. Or discouraged. You know, so often we become discouraged in life. And if we would learn to 
be thankful towards God and what He has done for us that would help us from getting discouraged. Being thankful also keeps us from allowing what we don't have to define our lives. How many of you know that song, The Grass is Greener on the Other Side? You know that? The Grass is Greener on the Other Side? The, uh, the sun shines brighter on the other side. The other man's grass is always greener. Some are lucky. Some are not. But just be thankful for what you've got. Thank God for the things that he has given you. This prevents us from looking at other people and being envious of them. You know what that's called? It's called covetousness. You see something your uh, neighbor has that you wish that you had, you're coveting. That's a violation of the what commandment? It's a violation of the Tenth Commandment. Tenth Commandment says, do not covet. It also keeps us humble and reminds us of our utter dependence on God. You know, every day there are thousands of reasons to praise and thank God. And you don't have to look far to see them if you're looking for them. The main thing is, Lord, that, that so often we're not looking for the things that God has blessed us with. Learn to look and see the things that God is looking, has blessed you with. So the first thing you should do when you wake up each morning from your sleep we should think of God right away we should pray to him and we should thank him for the new day and the new opportunities that each day brings us and ask for his guidance ahead you know we can easily lose sight of the blessings uh, right in front of us if we don't thank God every day now two weeks ago I started this message on five reasons to always thank uh, God. And I'm going to finish that message up today. We saw last time that we should first of all thank God for His mercy, love, and faithfulness. God not only saved us from our sins, but He actively loves us every day. You know, the prophet Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. He said, This I recall to my mind, therefore I had hope. Now, Jeremiah, as I shared with you last time, was writing that in the most uh, abhorrent of circumstances. The Babylonians had swept in from the north and they had uh, uh, destroyed the land they ravaged the land they had broken down the wall of Jerusalem raised the temple to the ground and carried off captive thousands of Jews that lived in the land they didn't carry Jeremiah away he was left there just to survey the way that the land had been ravaged and yet he still had hope. He thought to himself, because God is still on the throne, he is, uh, he, he, uh, he is going to give us better 
days ahead because of his compassions and his faithfulness. He said, through, though the Lord's, through the Lord's mercies, every, uh, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So every day, again, every day when you wake up in the morning, you can look out and you can say that your compassions fail not, God. They are new every morning because great is your faithfulness. Now, what happened to the nation of Judah? Jeremiah's nation of Judah happened because they were unfaithful. But God is always faithful. Everybody say that. God is always faithful. No matter what happens in your life, God is always faithful. Sometimes when things go against us, it's because God is trying to teach us a lesson. And that lesson is, first of all, to depend on Him. We, also, uh, we looked at that uh, scripture. We talked about the, um, what was going on in Jeremiah's time. And uh, believe me, brothers and sisters, things are getting very bad here in America, too. You know, if you watch the news and see what's going on, you will know. This nation has forsaken the Lord. And I'm going to be sharing more about that next week. I'd love to go into, you know, adoration, but uh, I've got a special message next week, so you don't want to miss it if you uh, can help it. Okay? The Creator of the heavens and earth adores us. Every dawn he pours out new and unending mercies on us. He never takes his gaze away from us. Remember, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere present. He knows where you are. He knows what you are doing. And he knows what's going on in your heart. He's dependable in blessing, guiding, assisting, and strengthening us. His affection is unwavering. He never stops caring about us. He never turns his back on us. I'll say that again. He never turns his back on us. Sometimes we feel like he does, but he never does. Because he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Now what the scriptures say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sometimes we think he does, but he doesn't. And that gives us great hope, just as it gave Jeremiah great hope, and ample reason to praise and thank the Lord. We still have life. We still have breath in our lungs, and we still have the love of God. Maybe that's the most important thing. We still have the love of God. God cannot stop loving you. And I want you never to forget that, brothers and sisters. Now, the second reason to always thank God, we thank God for His abundant goodness and daily provision. David wrote in Psalm 31, verse 19, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear you. 
which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. And God does not have a meager supply of goodness for us. He instead has an abundance of goodness in reserve. He has such a great quantity of grace waiting to be poured out on us, but we need to ask him for it. James wrote in James uh, chapter 4, verse 2, he, he wrote, You do not have because you do not ask. We can thank our Heavenly Father for the tremendous goodness that He has already bestowed on us. And we can look forward to future blessings if we would only ask. Now, how many of us thank God for an answer to our prayers? Does God answer your prayers? He answers prayer, you thank Him for it. Even thank Him before it happens. You say, thank you, Lord, for answering that prayer that I just did. I know that you're going to do it in your own perfect way. Now, Jesus did this. You know, in uh, John chapter 11, verses 41 through 44. That's the story of where Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. Jesus heard that his friend Lazarus was sick. And he knew what was going to happen. He knew that Lazarus was going to die, but he also knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So he went to see Mary and Martha, and they were chided him. Oh, Lord, if you'd just been here, you know, my brother wouldn't have died. Both of them did that, Mary and Martha. And he said, well, let's go to the tomb. So they went to the tomb. He says, roll away the stone. And I think it was Mary that pointed out to him, uh, Lord, we, we can't do that because he's been dead for four days already. There's going to be a foul odor. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, because Jesus told him to do that. And then, what, you know what Jesus did? He stood out there behind that open tomb there. And he looked up to heaven. And you know what he did? He thanked God for always listening to him. He thanked his father. He thanked his father before the resurrection occurred. And after he finished thanking God the Father, he just cried out in a loud voice, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the scripture says that he that was dead came forth, still bound up in those grave clothes that they had wrapped him up in. Jesus thanked his father for the answer to the prayer before it happened. So you need to always stay. You pray for things. You thank God for answering. Sometimes he's not going to answer the way that uh, you wanted them to. You know. He doesn't answer our prayers always be the way we want them to because we're bound up by our human understanding. We need to realize that God has a better way for us. And the way he answers prayer not, may not be the way we want it to, but it's going to be in accordance with his own perfect plan. 
Now because he, we need to thank God for His daily provision because He always gives us each day our daily bread. This is another daily blessing that we receive from our Father in Heaven. <clears throat> Jesus, you remember I talked about the model of prayer? What is the model prayer? Most people call it the, the Lord's Prayer. But I explained to you that the real Lord's Prayer is found in John chapter 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer for us on His behalf. But it says there in the model prayer, He said, give us this day our daily bread. He instructs us to ask for it. Now most people in this country have ample food on their tables every day. And every meal, every meal, uh, the uh, uh, daily bread is a divine gift. Yet how often do people praise and thank God for this daily miracle from heaven? We try to always, you know, we uh, always thank God for the food that we partake of in, on uh, uh, Pot Blessed Sunday. But we're to thank God before every meal. Now, when I was a boy growing up, you know, we grew up in a uh, Christian home. My mother was a Christian, uh, going, you know, she grew up in a Baptist church. But, you know, that was one thing that uh, uh, we didn't do. We didn't thank God for our uh, daily bread. You know, I'd go to, you know, places like uh, my cousin's place. You know, they were Catholics, and they always, uh, uh, thank God, they, they would say some form of grace. You know, but sometimes, you know, I grew up without doing that. And so it was something that I had to learn to do. Now, with Dolly here, she holds me to that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we always thank God before every meal. And every one of us should do that too. We always need to express gratitude to, uh, to the Lord for, uh, you know, not only our daily bread, but also for our work and income, as, and as well as the abundance of food and provision that He has bestowed upon us. The third reason why we always thank God is we thank God for His numerous deliverances. God's deliverance is for us is why we are still alive today. How many of you can look back on your life and realize that uh, there are so many close calls in your life where you could have been killed, you know, in different circumstances? If God had withheld his deliverance, the enemy would have annihilated us. He would have wiped us off the face of the earth. Jesus said in uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. In that one verse, Jesus gives kind of the clearest definition of the, in Scripture, of what the de uh, devil's central mission is life. He's out there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan, 
Jesus called Satan the thief in that passage because he wants to steal for us from us. You know, uh, in uh, Bangkok, at the intersection of uh, Rajadamri and Planchet Roads, uh, it's called the Rajabrasong intersection, there's this shrine to this Hindu god, Brahma. Brahma in Hindu mythology is the creator. And so they erected a, uh, a statue to Brahma there because of all the problems that they had with building the nearby Erewhon Hotel. You know. And uh, so they were instructed by a priest to erect a, uh, uh, this statue, this idol to Brahma. And that idol is famous for enabling people to win lottery tickets. So every time you pass by there, you'll see all these people crowded around buying lottery tickets. And so uh, uh, I started thinking about that one day. You know, I was stopped in a bus, you know, this back when I was a missionary. I was on my way to language school. And I said that these um, people, you know, think that this Hindu god, Brahma, is going to be rich. I said, you know, if they had an ounce of spiritual sense, they would look over, you know, Brahma is an imported god from uh, India. I said, if they, uh, you know, uh, had an ounce of spiritual sense, they'd look over there at neighboring India and find out how rich he's made those people. And I've heard a lot of stories about uh, India. You know, I've always wanted to go there. I've never been there. I've always wanted to go there because it's just a, a country that is dirt poor. You know, you have an upper class that is quite rich, but uh, by and large, the common people there are just dirt poor. And they have a lot less than what we have here. So I said, these people ought to look there to India and see how he is, rich he has made those people there. And it just made sense to me. You worship this Hindu god Brahma. There's a spirit behind there. And that spirit is the devil himself. And if you worship the devil, you worship the thief, what's the thief going to do? He's going to steal from you. The thief comes to steal. He also comes to kill. You know, as I've mentioned before, there's many times, you know, I've had a lot of close calls in life where I could have died, but God delivered me from them. And he would uh, kill you right now if he could, but he can't because God's hand is upon you. And he wants to destroy too. Many people have a destroyed family. Maybe it's been destroyed through drugs and alcohol. Maybe it's been destroyed through a lot of other things, a lot of other sin. He wants to destroy your marriage, and he'll do his best. That's why you've got to stand against him and not permit him to do it. We owe God praise for his numerous deliverances.
says in Psalm 18, verses 48 through 50. It says, He delivers me from all my enemies. Yea, you lift me up above those that rise up against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give you thanks, O God, O Lord, among the heathen and sing praises to your name. Great deliverances he gives his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David, his seed forever. God especially promises to be our great deliverer for the Christian that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Psalm 91, verse 1, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, what is this secret place? What's it talking about when it says the secret place? It's talking about the prayer closet where the Christian can meet with God his Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in secret. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now his deliverance is just one of the many ways that God the Father rewards us who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And if you consider the rest of the verses in Psalm 91, they're great promises indeed. He picks up uh, on that in verse, starting in verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth will be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, there shall no evil come befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways." In their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. You know, those are both symbols of who? They're both symbols of Satan. The young lion and the serpent shall he trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now we need to not misunderstand Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is not a guarantee that you will not suffer a horrendous accident 
or fatal illness in life. You know, all but one of the apostles died a martyr's death. But God delivered them anyway. He delivered them up into his presence. You know, we may suffer a fatal and sometimes very painful illness. But the guarantee is that you will experience the ultimate cure, which is life forever with Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you thank God for that eternal life that he gives you now? Okay, the fourth reason that we always need to thank God, we need to always thank Him for avenging our enemies. God is the adversary of everyone that opposes us. He will battle on your side and repay them for their evil. Not necessarily in this life, but in the next. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 79, And render unto our neighbors sevenfold unto their bosom for their reproach. You know, he avenged Judah eventually. You know, I talked about uh, the judgment of God befell Judah. And their nation was destroyed. Their temple was destroyed. Their people carried off to Babylon. But Babylon got their own, you know, 70 years later when the Medes and the Persians conquered them. The vengeance that God promised them, and believe me, the, you read through the Old Testament prophets, you have a lot of prophesies against Babylon for what they uh, did to uh, Israel. Okay, so we read about that in Psalm 79, verses 12 and 13. Any attack on God's children is a direct attack on God, and God will avenge them, either in this life or the next one. You don't believe me when I say that an attack on us, is a, Jesus regards it as an attack on him? Especially if we're doing something righteous. You have the story of uh, the Apostle Paul. Well, he was called Saul at the time. He didn't become the Apostle Paul until later on. But he's coming to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. On his way there to persecute the Christians. To throw them into irons and take them to Jerusalem to stand trial and perhaps die at the hands of the Jewish authorities. And he gets to the gates of, practically to the gates of Damascus, and then suddenly he was struck down blind. And Jesus spoke to him. What did Jesus say? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So, Jesus regarded the persecutions that Saul was putting upon the Christians there as persecuting him personally. And we know what happened, that uh, God spoke to him 
He went into the city. He was blind for three days. And then Ananias, one of the disciples there, laid his hands on him. His blindness was cured, as well as the blindness of his whole soul. You know, the Bible says that the devil blinds the minds of those that do not believe. So when you pray for your unsaved uh, loved ones, your friends and family, you pray that God would lift up the spiritual blindness that's upon their soul. Then later on in Acts chapter 12, you have another interesting story. You have King Herod Agrippa in Jerusalem. He laid holds on, uh, laid hold, uh, laid his hands on uh, James, the brother of John, one of the original 12 disciples. And what did he do? It says that he put him to death with the sword. In other words, he beheaded him. So, and then he proceeded to do that to Peter too. Except he just threw him into prison. He was going to bring him to trial and behead Peter too. What happened? God intervened. So God is able to intervene about any of your circumstances. He worked a miracle with uh, Peter. And Peter uh, later went on and became one of the real pillars of the church. He became the first bishop in, uh, in Rome. But what happened to Herod Agrippa? Did he get punished for that? Well, he, he, he got his own, but it wasn't necessarily for beheading uh, James. It says that uh, a short time later, he was giving a, uh, an oration, a speech to the crowd. And the crowd said, that's the voice of a God and not a man. And because Herod Agrippa would not give glory to God, he was smitten with worms. It says that God smote him with worms and he died a most painful death. So Herod Agrippa got his own eventually. So we need to thank God that he does repay our, our foes. Now, you know, when I was preparing this message, I got the... Uh, uh, much of my material from uh, this man who was a Christian in Nigeria. How many of you know uh, about Nigeria? Nigeria is a country in Africa. In fact, it's the most populous country there in Africa. Nigeria is half Christian and half Muslim. And the Christians there are being horribly uh, persecuted by the uh, uh, Muslims. The Muslims are going into Christian villages, ravaging them, killing the pastors and many of the uh, uh, people too. They've been known to go into, you know, the big story that broke uh, uh, two or three years ago. They went into this uh, uh, Christian school, this uh, uh, school for girls. And they uh, went through and they kidnapped all of the uh, girls. They carried them off into the bush. And they were trying to force them to become the wives of 
the uh, Muslims, the, the ones that kidnapped them. They were trying to force them to give up their Christian belief and become Muslims and become their wives. And uh, most of them refused to do it. Some of them were killed too. So that's what this man that wrote this material that I got, he, he was coming it for, to it from that perspective. So, you know, he had reason to be kind of really against these Muslims and wanting to see them avenged. He, he wanted to see, uh, you know, the persecution that his fellow Christians were enduring. He wanted to see that avenged on their, uh, the people that were persecuting them. So that was his perspective. And the other scripture, you know, which he shared was from the book of Psalms. Now, see, there's a flip side to that coin, though. And I wanted to bring that out. Is we still need to follow uh, uh, God's direction in the Sermon on the Mount. And we read about this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and uh, through 45. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, uh, has been said, You shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. That's the attitude that unregenerate people have. But Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and uh, sends rain on the just and the unjust. So, we need to love our enemies. We need to pr pray for those that are persecuting uh, us. So that's the other side of the coin. Now the fifth and final reason to always thank God is we thank God for our salvation and the salvation of others. It says in first, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Second Thessalonians, chapter two, verses uh, thirteen and fourteen. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God, who is from the beginning, chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. When was the last time you thanked God for your salvation, brothers and sisters? That's a good question. When was the last time you ever thanked Him for your salvation? Don't we take for granted uh, it for granted all the time? So much of the time we take it for granted. We rarely praise Him for this, but instead we complain about what He has yet to do for us. We're more concerned about the promotion that we've been hoping for, you know, that top-tier job we've been praying for, for the house we've been praying for, money for to uh, buy this and buy that. You know, we've got the attitude of gimme, gimme, gimme. You know, gimme this, gimme that. But do not take salvation for granted, brothers and sisters. 
Taking salvation for granted is a sin. Although salvation is free, someone had to pay for it. Jesus paid for it with his own life. God the Father also paid for it by giving his only begotten Son. John 3.16 tells us what? God loved the world in this manner. He gave his only begotten Son. You know, we say that expression, freedom is not free. And it isn't. We say that on July 4th all the time. Freedom is not free when we remember the people that died to purchase our freedom for this country. Well, Jesus died to purchase our freedom from the penalty of sin and also from the power. You know, you've got power over sin in your life because of the blood of his cross. Do you ever thank God for that power? That you don't have to live in sin? We need to be sh make sure that we're not living in sin and we need to thank God that He has paid for the breaking of that power of that sin over us. Jesus died on the cross as if He were a criminal even though He never sinned. And God deserves our thanks when the sinners open their hearts to hear and receive God's Word. God is worthy of our praise when these sinners surrender our lives, to, their lives to Jesus. So finally, we ought to thank God when new believers, not only for our own salvation, when new believers, when new people come to Christ and they continue to hold firm in their faith in the face of adversity. We read about that in... Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And I'm con I conclude with that. Therefore, brothers, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he's thanking God that they found the Lord and that they were continuing in the faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For now we live, if you hold, stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before the Lord? Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Okay, so just a quick summary. My time is gone here. Whoop, what happened? Okay, the five reasons why, you know what, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't save the, uh, um, I didn't save the uh, PowerPoint, I fixed that on the PowerPoint at home, but I forgot to copy it up to the file here, so sorry about that. The five reasons why we always thank God are that we should thank Him for His mercy, love, and faithfulness, for His abundant goodness and daily provision, for His numerous de uh, deliverances, 
for his avenging of our enemies and for our uh, salvation and the sanct- salvation of uh, others.